Hello, everyone. Welcome to What the Fantasy. I am Brandon Hay at HayB3. Good evening. My name is Zada Kantabedian at ZKantsFF on Twitter. And uh, thank you for joining us. This is our second week of streaming, our third episode. And like we did last week, we started off with some uh, Kenny Gamewell uh, Love Fest. And I think we communicated better this week. So I will let you go ahead with the uh, the Kenny Gamewell uh, stats of the week. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm glad to have come, uh, you know, with uh, all the proper tools for the job today. Uh, I like this. I like this stat here. This is uh, this is interesting. Kenny Gainwell in high school was a three year starter at quarterback for the Panthers. His high school uh, mascot as a junior, as a junior, as a quarterback, he passed for one thousand one hundred eighty four yards and nine touchdowns. He also rushed as a quarterback for one thousand two hundred ninety two yards and 20 touchdowns in his senior year in high school. He passed for 1,139 yards, surpassing his current career high in high school, and touched, he passed for 10 touchdowns. He also ran for 1,834 yards, so about 600 more yards, and he rushed for 32 touchdowns. Damn, dude. Damn. 32 touchdowns as a quarterback. So, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I think it just compounds into the, for, uh, into the uh, Gainwell love for the show. You know, and uh, it just sends out the energy to Gainwell, you know, just the positive energy that hopefully we can get him on the show for five, ten minutes, whatever. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a multifaceted and talented athlete. And, uh, you know, the, the love is not the love is uh, the love is proper over here. It's, it's for good reasons. So that's your fact for the week. That is some uh, great stats and facts uh, for Kenny Gainwell. And I keep on tagging him when I when I post stuff from either the, the pod account or um, my account. So hopefully if we do it enough times, he will respond and, you know, eventually come on the show. And yeah. Um, all, yeah. Also for anyone that's listening that is, doesn't know, we created a Twitter for what the fantasy and uh, it's linked on both of our uh, Twitter. So you can go to that. So uh, now continuing on, uh, we're, let's go into some NFL news. We have a few things that have happened in the last couple of days. And first off, um, the Minnesota Vikings signed D.D. Westbrook, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, I don't think we'll necessarily agree. When I put this on the show sheet, you get you um, gave me a hard no. So I'll let you go into uh, how you feel about D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen a third wide, wide receiver under um, uh, Mike Zimmer. Uh, during his tenure there, which has been for about like six years now, we haven't really seen a third wide wide receiver been of any fantasy relevance during his time there. Uh, I like D. Westbrook. I've always liked him as a player on the Jags. He's almost had moments where he's been relevant. We've seen flashes from him. Um, it's it's he. I think he's always going to be relegated to that third wide wide receiver position. If we look at the Vikings pass attempts, uh, they, their median pass attempts under uh, Mike Zimmer is about 525 pass attempts per year. I mean, that's kind of middle of the pack. Uh, their highest amount of pass attempts was 606 pass attempts back in 2016 and the closest or 2018. And uh, like I said, yeah, so it's 525 pass attempts. And if we look at their median where that places them under Mike Zimmer, that's 24th in the league for pass attempts. And that's not, an, that's not enough volume for a third wide receiver. It's already cutting it close with Adam Thielen Justin Jefferson is the main guy that Adam Thielen is going to be the secondary veteran over there. There just really isn't much room for anybody else. And, I, and that's including like maybe Irv Smith too, but that's another conversation. So I felt a lot better about this before I looked up the stats for the Vikings last year, last year. So I looked and their third wide receiver, which was Chad Beebe, which is not a good third wide receiver only had 30 targets all year. Um, so obviously the first two wide receivers, you had Jefferson and Thielen, and then um, they got Smith. Um, they got Smith. Uh, I never remember his name from Iowa. Uh, so to be that third wide receiver this year, um, but I think DD would probably fight for snaps there. But uh, after looking at that, I don't know. Like you said, if there's enough volume, but maybe if there's a better third wide receiver, he could take. Some of yeah. Thielen's snaps, I don't think Jefferson's snaps will be taken. But uh, no. last year, uh, 2019, with Didi, I looked it up. Um, you know, he played 15 games, 14 over 50% snap share. In eight of those games, he scored at least 10 fantasy points. So he's a guy you could kind of stash at your at the end of your bench, I guess. 
um, yeah. with some hope that something might happen. But I, I think I think you are right. After I looked into what the Vikings have done uh, recently, it doesn't look like there's much room, especially if Irv Smith or Tyler Conklin are going to um, have higher amounts of targets for that team. And to recent memory, he's the most talented third wide receiver on that team that I can recall. I can't recall anybody that was better than him as far as third on that roster spot. Uh, also, that guy you were thinking about, Amir Smith Marset, is that that's the guy you were thinking about, right? The rookie. Yes, I always get his. Yeah. Uh, I always get his names mixed up. Like, which one goes <laughs> where? He has three names. He has three names. So you know, it's it's it's, it's a little more. But uh, he's uh, he's 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 somebody interesting because uh, he is um, a, he was a playmaker in college. Big yak guy, big playmaker play, playmaker guy. Uh, get in space guy. I think we'll see him a lot on special teams, but you never know with uh, what we saw from Justin Jefferson last year, you know, just completely displacing Chad Beebe, who was supposed to be the second going, uh, going into the year out of training camp, you know, it kind of scared people off Justin Jefferson. And before we knew knew it, Justin Jefferson was dominating the league by like week three. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Amir Smith-Marset, you know, maybe take over for D.D. Westbrook, but probably not. D.D. Westbrook is still a really great talent. I think he'll have a lock on that third wide receiver spot. Oh, before we go on, I I just want to compliment you on the opening music and the sequence. I like the music a lot. I like that song a lot. I don't know where you found it, but it sounds really good. And I like like what you've done now. Just in case you don't know, Brandon Hay, he's – he, what we're doing now, what he's doing, he he's he's building the opening sequence around the topics that we'll be discussing. So a little be a little bit of a teaser for you, a little bit of teaser for you guys watching, just so you guys know what's coming up. Yeah. So the the music, I actually lucked into that because um, I found out what the for the first episode, uh, the song that we used, I guess uh, for the site, uh, it's epidemic music, and uh, I guess once your trial ends then it, there's like some copyright issues if you put it on YouTube and everything, which I wasn't For aware sure. of. So, uh, so yeah, so I decided to look on YouTube and they have free music found that, you know, and like, uh, like, like you said, we're going to start, you know, trying to throw some of that stuff in the uh, opening video about that. So um, you can look forward to, to the, those opening videos, throwing a couple funny clips, throw in, some clips that have to do with kind of the fun topics we're going to talk about every night. So uh, the I'll, next I'll just, news, go ahead. Sorry, I just got, I'm sorry to cut you off. Did you ever play an uh, instrument in uh, in elementary school or anything like that? Were you ever part, part of band or anything like that? I played, uh, well, we had to play the recorder in elementary okay. school. That's, so that's as far as I went. I still have my flute from like seventh grade band, so I can bust that out and you can get like on like an empty bucket and we can just avoid all this like, copyright crap and we can just do our own thing and just make our own song right i think uh, i think that might be something something we need to do i'm sorry all right let's get on with the show i'm sorry we digress <laughs> sorry uh no it's fine so uh the, the this is this is what happens when we stream live so um you know everyone gets to get gets to catch catch it yes, and sir. uh so so next uh i think it was yesterday maybe anthony miller got traded to the tetsons it didn't say for what, but I heard it's going to be some late compensation. So a couple of things, you know, the the Tetsons, uh, looks like um, Deshaun Watson showed up to camp. Um, but for the second receiver, what does this do? Is it Anthony Miller? Is it Nico Collins? Um, and then also for the Bears, what does that do for their third wide receiver? Um, I'll let you go first on your thoughts for the Tetsons and, and the Bears. Um, I think the Texans, I think, I think Nico Collins remains the favorite for that number two position behind Brandon Cooks. I think he's there more to um, compete with Kiki QT for that, for that slot position. Uh, I'm not high. I like Kiki QT way better than like, way better than I like Miller. I think Miller has not really done much to prove his worth. I mean, he's, he's like, he's shown some flashes here and there, but they're few and very far between. Uh, Kiki QT's primary issues have been health. So he's just another depth piece. And as we've seen, the Houston Texans have brought in so many depth pieces. They brought in Mark Ingram at running back. They brought in Philip Lindsay at running back. They brought in Rex Burkhead at running back. They're just signing everybody willy-nilly. I don't know what they're doing over there, but um, don't concern yourself. With it. I just, I, I'd really just be focused on Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. And I think Nico Collins is the only guy of his archetype on that team. He's a monster. There's nobody else like him on that team. So I think he'll be the favorite for number two duties. Um, and as for the Bears, um, I'll just check out the Bears stats. Um, when we're discussing Daz Newsom on that team, we also have to take into f- consideration that they have Demir Bird, who you know he, who's who's a pretty solid like he's a pretty solid Wiley veteran. He's experienced. 
But I think when we have to consider Daz Newsom, he'll be the number three on that team behind Allen Robinson and Dar- Darnell Mooney, respectively. And we have to look at how many times they play out of 11-man personnel. And if you don't know what 11-man personnel is, that basically just means that they're playing with running, one running back, one tight end, which leaves three wide receivers on the line of scrimmage, right? So the Bears in 20, uh, 2020, they ran, um, they, were t- they ran 11-man personnel 56% of the time. That was 20th in the league, right? Then in 2019, they were 15th in the league. And in 2018, they were 18th in the league. So I also, with this offense, I wouldn't really be concerned with who the third wide receiver is because just the volume, it seems like, isn't really there for that, for the amount of three wide receiver sets they run out of there. Unless you're playing, again, in a deep league where you're, you must be in a very deep league that would be desperate for that third wide, wide receiver position. If Justin Fields comes in, or even if Andy Dalton does well and is proving to be efficient in the, you know, behind the line of scrimmage as a passer, and he's you know, providing good opportunities for his passers, then yeah, be, cons- be you know, be concerned with that third wide, wide receiver position. But other, other than that, I really wouldn't be too concerned with that right now. More of a wait and see. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you saw, but I kept on cutting out while you were, you were talking. Um, I don't know. Something's going on with my internet, but anyway, so yeah, I agree with most, most of what you're saying. My um, thing with the Tetsons is, even if Watson isn't suspended, I would imagine he's going to stick with wanting to be traded. And I think eventually they might trade Brandon Cooks because there's no reason to really keep him on that team since they're rebuilding. And then maybe it's Nico and Anthony Miller on the um, you know the main two receivers. But for Houston, yeah. I don't see it as big. But for the Bears, I don't remember where I heard it, but I think they plan on getting A-Rob some more um, – Slot snaps last year, he only had 21%. Um, Anthony Miller had 86% of their slot snaps. Um, right. so they could put Mooney outside and Bird, like you said, um, outside and then put A Rob in the slot. And then they also drafted Daz Newsom, but he in college he had uh 97% of his snaps in the slot, so I doubt he can really do much on the outside. So, um, so it kind of, I would think that when they put a Rob in the slot, they would bring in bird who I think, uh, you know, a decent receiver, um, not really fantasy relevant. So I think you're right. A Rob and, um, Mooney would be the main, would be the main fantasy relevant players. And, you know, uh, Cole Komet, we talked before, we were both surprised that Jimmy Graham is still on the team. Um, so I don't know what's going to go on with that, but, uh, you know, it, and I believe, um, Oh, you are not talking about that. But when we talk about camp battles, um, maybe we can just briefly talk about the Bears. But um, so those are the main. So those are the first two news items. And the last is we heard that um, Marlon Mack is a hundred percent now, and uh, you wanted to make sure that we talked about Marlon Mack. I think we were going to disagree yeah. on this. We don't have time about this. I, 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 I got. I got. Pooped on on Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I so have, we're going to talk so, about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'll just set it up. We're going to talk about you know what this does for Jonathan Taylor carry distribution, um, and then um, I'll let you start off since you tried to put this take on Twitter and it and it yeah. pretty much blew up in your face. So was, uh, let's it hear was, it. Yeah, yeah. So um, God, we're going to begin with this. Okay, so Frank Russ. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. Okay, so Andrew Luck retires in August of 2019, right? Frank Reich is not planning on you're – you're not planning on establishing a run game when you have Andrew Luck as your quarterback. You're planning on throwing it. And Frank Reich, I think, is a very logical coach. He's a very rational coach. Um, but, you know, Luck retired in August. It happened. So they, they went into the season with Marlon Mack, right? Marlon Mack that year – received 71% of all backfield carries, touches, 71% of total team, total backfield touches. All right, fast forward it, fast forward it to 2020 draft when they knew Luck was not coming back, when they knew Phillip Rivers, old busted Phillip Rivers, not too busted, but, you know, old man Rivers was coming to town. They're like, all right, look, we can't do this with Marlon back again and Phillip Rivers. We need to draft Jonathan Taylor. Not saying Jonathan Taylor isn't a bad back. He's a great prospect. But there's a difference between I think there's a lot there's a lot, a lot of people get confused. There's a difference between being a great prospect in college and being a being a bully to other college people to other college players and Jonathan Taylor is that bully. Then understanding the the nuances of the running back position and there are nuances. It's just not running and putting your head down. Marlon Mack 
understands those nuances and he was un, he was successful in Reich's system in 2019. And Reich knows that. And Reich's not gonna let that guy go. Even after an Achilles tear, he's still with the team. If Reich didn't want him there, if Reich wasn't confident in him, he wouldn't be on the team. Right. So we look at what Jonathan Taylor did last year. Granted, came into a year where there was no offseason training camps, right? So he came in. He had 57% of the total team touches. But we can see that Marlon Mack was supposed to be, I think Marlon Mack was supposed to be a part of that equation. He was supposed to be a part of that backfield committee last year because emphasizing the run game was evident when you look at the total amount of touches that the Colts had in that backfield last year. They had 405 total running uh, backfield attempts in the Colts last year. That is the most that Frank Reich has had on that team by a wide margin. So it's my belief when you look at what happened with Luck, when you look at Mac's history in that offense, when you look at how much rushing volume there is in that offense, Mac is going to be involved. Now, I don't know how much that affects JT. I think there isn't actually enough volume to go around where JT is going to be, you know, he's going to get his. I'm still drafting him in the, in, the back, in the back of the first round. I'm not saying I'm not doing that. But let's not be so absolutist, polarizing, Ha, you're wrong or you're absolutely right. Let's just keep an open mind. Let's just go with an open mind. Let's stop seeing it from a fantasy player's perspective and let's start understanding it from an NFL coach's perspective what they see. That's that's just basically where I'm at. I'm not saying JT's bad. I'm just keeping an open mind. That's it. Well, first first thing I thought when I saw that was, um, one, that you were wrong, and two, that a lot of people are going to be upset uh, immediately. Yes. So, yeah. so yeah, I kind of looked at it as, you know, um, before the pod, a, a fantasy and NFL perspective. So JT last year averaged around 15 carries a game for the season. And then I looked up the top 50 running bats last year that only 10 of those running bats averaged 15 or more carries a game. So I think the NFL definitely, as you're saying, is changing – to not have just one back, but I think every team does that. So I don't know if the Mac um, coming back hundred percent really changes much because last year um, Wilkins had around 80 carries. So I would think Mac would have that. So it probably doesn't change that much. And like uh, I kind of looked up, you know, the top uh, 11 running backs and then two that are kind of similar to JT and that they're going to be workhorse running backs, but not get a lot of catches like Nick Chubb, and Josh Jacobs, their rookie year, they had 46% for Chubb and 55% of the um, of, of the snaps their rookie year. And obviously that that increased. Um, Chubb missed some time last year. So and then also kind of I, I I didn't think I did this, but I did projections for the Colts and I actually had Mac in there. So I have I have JT as having 55% of the carries, uh, Naheem Hines at 17% and Mac at 12%. And even just at the 55% of the carries, I still have JT as running back seven. Um, so I, like you said, I think he's still a running back one. Um, I think this hurts Hines more, probably more. He gets, you know, a few less carries and maybe some less, um, you know, uh, less catches be on the field a little less. But yeah. um, I, I agree with what you're saying. A lot of people um, come very hot in, you know, on Twitter with the takes. So um I'm sure you I got swear. the brunt of that. I, I, I swear it doesn't offend me anymore. There's a slight sting for like the first second, and I'm just like, oh, this is adorable. This is just – we're just being children. It's just a bunch of grown men being children, so it's fun. I don't take it personally. All right, well, that that's good. So I guess we didn't differ nearly as much as I thought we were going to at first. So let's go into another thing that we're going to uh, try to do every week is we're uh, either, you know, for the listeners, send in a fantasy trade, or I'll try to find one. This one is actually a perspective trade I found. So let me put it on the screen. So it would be uh, Dallas Goddard and um, Darnell Mooney, or you would get the side of Evan Ingram and Elijah Moore. So I will start, and I would take the side of Elijah Moore and um, Evan Ingram, mostly just because of Elijah Moore. To be honest, even if Evan Ingram wasn't in this trade, it was just Elijah Moore or Goddard and Mooney. I might still take the Elijah Moore side. I have him, you know, in Dynasty being a top 20 wide receiver, even starting this year. I think they're going to get the ball to him a ton. I think he is going to end up being the best receiver of that team. So um, that's what I would take. While I think Mooney will do very well with Justin Fields, um, kind of talked before the show, 
surprised that the Eagles have not either traded or let go of Ertz. So I don't know what Goddard's really going to do. And with Jalen Hurts, um, I'm not sure how much he's going to target the tight end, the new offense. So that's the side I would go on this trade. Um, what What are your thoughts? I I, I always approach when I, when I look at these trades, anyways, especially when it comes to tight ends. I automatically default to tight end premium. I don't know. Do you Do you look at tight end premium? Do you see it as a tight end premium? I feel like that's what we're used to. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, how do you see it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Most most of them, I'm in, or at least you know half half a point something tight end premium. Right. So yeah, Some that, that is premium. big. So I'd go with Goddard and Mooney in this instance because um, I think Mooney's already got the, a starting job locked up. He's not competing with any other wide receivers. It's just him and Allen Robinson. And when you look at Elijah Moore, he's still got Crowder there. There's still Corey Davis there. Uh, Keelan Cole is apparently a name on the radar over there. And then Denzel Mims is a buy low. I don't, I don't believe this BS about Denzel Mims not being good anymore. This is ridiculous. So there's a lot more competition over there. You have Zach Wilson, who I believe is not a better quarterback than Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is a better quarterback. So I would, I take Mooney over the, over Elijah Moore. And I think Goddard is a better tight end than Ingram. I think in this instance, I'll just put up with Zach Ertz if he doesn't get traded by the start of the season and just put up with Zach Ertz, you know, and Garner will still produce, but more, more of a moderate, you know, high end tight end too. I don't, I don't know why he's, I think, I think his tight end one ranking so far is on the expectation that, and the assumption that Ertz is going to be traded by the year's end, which he wasn't. So I think you'll see Goddard start to move down in rankings, but if anything, Zach Ertz, he's got to be traded, be traded by the end of the 2021 season. So I'll weigh it out with Goddard. I like Goddard a lot more better than, than I like Ingram. And then I like Mooney because I don't have to wait for that volume, that guaranteed volume to get to him. I think he's going to be a producer right from the season, right from the season's uh, start this year. So I'll take the Goddard Mooney. No, I like that. Uh, one thing with Evan Ingram, even though a lot of people think he, he's not very good, he does get targeted quite a bit, um, gets open, has a lot of drops. So if he can fix that, I think he could still be, you know, a, a tight end one. So um, that's why I took the Elijah Moore side. But obviously, I think I would trust Goddard more because he seems yeah. to be more consistent with catching the ball. You know, and dude, Ingram could be one of the best sleepers of this year's draft. And I, I'm not going to hold catches against him because, you know, for me, I'm the biggest Deontay Johnson truther, and he led the league in catches. But if you look at if you look at who the led, led the league in catches the year before that, it was Julian Edelman. The year before that, it was Jarvis Landry. And behind Jarvis Landry in 2018, it was Calvin Ridley. You know, and these guys are all not having those issues. This year, behind Deontay Johnson, we had um, Jerry Judy. We had C.D. Lamb. We had these really great talents with drop issues, like eight, nine drops, you know. So, Ingram, I think, is, might be one of the best buy-low options at tight end. So, you know, thinking about it, reflecting on it, Ingram, Elijah Moore might be the better choice. But I'll stick with my guns and go Gardner Moody. Okay, sounds good. So, now we're going to get into our... Uh, would you rather fun topic? So the first topic is our top five tailgate foods. So do you uh, do you just want to give your five first, and then I'll give my five, and then we can talk about them? No, I think I think you should go first because you're. Gonna, I feel like I'm going to be on the defense for mine, and I, I want to be ready ready to defend it. So you go ahead first. Okay, okay. I um out of I didn't really put them in order per se, um, but what I have is uh nacho slash seven layer dip whenever i go to a tailgate i make this seven layer dip it doesn't have any meat in it but it has oh. guacamole sour cream cheese tomatoes onions so it's easy to do you don't have to heat it you don't have to worry about that and it's fairly inexpensive so i always do that another thing that i always like is cocktail shrimp i think they're mm. so good i know uh, in the florida heat you have to eat them fast so that's a problem <laughs> sometimes Another um, next one is sliders. Um, I like when I tail for a tailgate either at, you know, outside for a football game or, you know, at someone's house, I like it to be a lot of finger food. So you can just grab yeah. something, you know, as you go get a beer right. or something. So sliders, yeah. either pulled pork, chicken, you know, burgers, and obviously nets wings, but I'm very picky about, I want them to be super crispy. Um, I'm very picky about, you know, the, the wings that I, I get. And um, I know we talked about this earlier and when you go into yours, well, you know, we talked about veggies, but I don't mind, you know, with all this heavy meat, you know, a little veggie, you know, ranch tray with celery and carrots and tomatoes. And um, we're, we're I actually like man. olives. 
Yeah, I like olives a lot too. So a little yeah. olive and cheese tray would uh, would be nice for me. So um, yeah, let's let's hear your five. Yeah, so I chose a spinach dip just because it's a, it's a favorite of mine. Every time I go to my cousin's house, it's always out there. Uh, uh, like you said, wings crispy. They got to be crispy. Uh, hot dogs with the work. So that's like whether it's relish, onions, whatever you want to put on there, man. I mean, like just or just a, hot dogs are great because it's like it's very easy to handle. You know, you got a beer here or you're playing football on the other hand. You don't have to worry about a mess with hot dogs. It's so convenient. It works so good. Ribs, you got to sit down for that. You got to take away. You got to take a break from all the activities and hang out with all your friends and go sit down and eat some ribs and take your time with that. So they're a little bit more, they're a little bit more of a pain in the butt. And then, yeah, like we said, you got to have salad. We got to clean that palate. We got to get those greens in there, settle down all that grease and all that oil uh yeah so those are my five so yeah i um the hot dogs i'm actually not a huge hot dog guy but um for memorial day we had a barbecue and had people over and i made hamburgers and hot dogs and then i made some uh chili got some onions and you know all that yeah. stuff so yeah i do love hot dogs with all the words um what about my, like, my what about wife, like, go, ahead. go ahead i'm sorry i was to say what about like like a breakfast food like what about like waffles or pancakes I would be for that. So um, I live in Jacksonville, so home yeah. of the largest, you know, outdoor cocktail party. So a lot of times when we went, um, my mom would be worried that we would just drink too much and not eat enough. So she right. would make a lot of like breakfast stuff and I would go to her house before we would get there like six in the morning and we would have like breakfast food, you know, in the morning. So I, I, I am all for that. So maybe um, cocktail weenies or some, you know, uh, a nice breakfast quiche. Or something. Ooh, that sounds like a frittata. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, that that is uh that is totally. So you didn't differ, or your list wasn't as um, veggie no. oriented than I, as I thought it would be. Not too much. I mean, I can go pure veggies, but I don't want to be like the lame. Like I can just do straight veggies, but yeah, I can mix it up. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was saying too, spinach dip. That's another thing my uh, wife really likes. I think if you have a lot of variety of dips. You know that everyone likes. I right. think that's a that's a positive. So uh, yeah, so I think those are some uh, good lists. And what we're going to do on our on our Twitter account every when we come up with the questions for the week, we're going to put them out. So please, um, you know, uh, respond or comment on there, and then yeah, um, we'll make sure to na- to to drop your your Twitter handle sure. and you know what what you say, um, just yeah. to get some um, more engagement. So now the next the next question is: Would you rather be uh, Batman or Iron Man? You want to go first on this one? You want to go first? Uh, this sure, is like sure, you can. this is like more than this is more than a Batman or Iron Man question. This is a DC versus Marvel question, right? I, this is this is more this is what this is to me. And I'm a Marvel guy. Like I am not going to choose. I will choose the worst character in character in Marvel over the best character in DC. Like I am going Iron Iron Man all day. Give me that crazy suit. Give me the flight. Give me all the tech. I want to be homies with Jarvis. Jarvis is the coolest, coolest guy on the block. I mean, like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, I could be downstairs with my toys, just doing things in the air, put all my different armor suits on, get to hang out with the Avengers all the time. Rich. Batman is rich, but he can't fly. I'd rather be the rich guy that could fly without a plane. So I'm choosing Iron Man. So I agree that I like Marvel over DC. And my thing has always been with Batman is – he doesn't have any super powers. superpowers or anything. He just like has yeah. a lot of gadgets. I mean, he is super rich, so he's got a um, belt. <laughs> yeah, he has a belt, and um, you know, I I really like Iron Iron Man. I think that I think it helps too that it's Robert Downey Jr. that's that's portrayed Iron Man, but yes, which you know he's super cool. But I do I do have this one question for Iron Man. I feel like he could have done better than. Um, than than Pepper as a than a Gwyneth Paltrow. I think he could have gotten a better easy. better leading lady. Easy, easy with the Pepper Potts hate, man. That girl is a dime a dozen. She's an angel. She busts her ass for Stark Industries day in and day out. She deals with Tony's BS every single day. I love that woman. Hey, she's also a superhero too because she's got her own set of armor, right? She's Tony made her her own set of armor. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's another question. Like, How many different people do has armor? I feel like there's like four different people in in Marvel that just randomly get get you know Iron Man armor. So I, I've right. always wondered there's about Iron, that too. 
there's an Ironheart series coming out, right? And then there's also uh, War Machine that's got his his own, his own armor. So that's, that's four people. And then there's Ironheart, which is a younger female who's getting her own show on uh, on Disney Plus. And I have that comic book. I bought it for four bucks, and it's worth like fifty bucks right now. Oh, so nice. I'm gonna flip that. Yeah. So what? So you said you would take the worst character on uh, Marvel over Batman. So who would you say is the worst character of the Avengers? Hawkeye. Okay, thank you. But I think yeah. I might pick Batman over Hawkeye. I, I just, it's close. I just, I can't betray, I can't do it. I can't do DC. I like, I, I'll, I'll take Hawkeye. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And in um, Endgame, no, I was very, ups- yeah, in Endgame, I was very upset that, um, that Scarlett Johansson, you know, Black Widow was the, mm-hmm. was the sacrifice rather than Hawkeye. I was like, is anyone really going to miss Hawkeye in the series? Nobody. No, nobody's going to miss him. Nobody's going to miss him. No, it's just ridiculous. Should have been Hawkeye, man. It's ridiculous. All right. I'm glad we can agree on that. And the back to the Batman part, I think it would depend, too, if we're talking about movie Batmans, you know, which type of Batman we're talking about. If we're talking about uh-huh. you know, the, the Dark Knight, it's a little closer, I would think, than, you know, some of the others. Um, I don't know if that's the same for you. I'm probably going to have to go old school Keaton. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a traditionalist. Plus, I think that car is the sickest. That old classic batman i'm just i'm just a traditionalist i like the style um i like i like what um tim burton did with the movie you know i think it was just this certain aesthetic and uh, i just really like uh i just like him as batman you know christian bale as batman wasn't great you know what other batman george clooney val kilmer who else is there (laughs) i forgot i forgot that that they were batman ben affleck oh that one that was horrible oh i don't Oh, but the Batman versus uh, Superman, I thought that was a horrible movie. Yeah, that was horrible. The Snyder Cut, though, the Snyder Cut of of, uh, the Justice League, did you see it? Did you watch it? I I haven't, but I heard heard it's a lot better. But I heard it's like four hours long. It's it's beautiful. It's there was a scene in there. I want, I want, there was a scene in there with Flash that I almost cried. I thought it was the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life. It, it's it's Snyder is an is a master. He's a master. He's awesome. That's all. I'll just leave it at that. My favorite scene is this: the Flash scene. It's when you watch it, we'll talk about it. I'm not going to say anything. Okay, I will. I will okay. make that a priority to uh, check yeah. that out. Yeah, check it out. All right, so we'll move back into football now that we kind of uh, are finished nerding out about, you know, Marvel and DC, mostly Marvel. Um, so now we're going to talk about some yeah. uh, training camp battles that we kind of want to see. So I'll start with one and then you can do one. And we'll kind of go back and forth. Go for it. So the first, the first one for me is the 49ers running back situation. I know everyone is huge on Trey Sermon, which I like Trey Sermon a lot, but I don't think – it's a given he's taking over that backfield. I know Jeff Wilson um, is injured, and uh, Raheem Mostert seems to be injured a lot too. But kind of looking back at it, last year when Mostert played, he was number six in uh, yards created per touch. And when Jeff Wilson was the last one standing at the end of the season, his last three games, fantasy points per game, were 12, 27, and 23. Um I just think it's going to be a mitts and match. I don't think Shanahan cares uh, who's who gets the ball. I think there's going to, for some reason, there's always injuries. I just think he's going to play whoever is, you know, running the hardest or running the best each game. Um, maybe Sermon gets a, a stretch where he plays four or five games, you know, where he's the guy. But then again, in college, Sermon had some injury troubles too. So we don't know if, you know, he's going to last the whole season. So I kind of want to see how that will kind of um, break down with, you know, all those carries. But we probably won't even know until, you know, midway or the end of the season how this is really going to go. That's why I've somewhat tried to avoid that backfield uh, if I can, unless I'm in, you know, some sort of best ball um, format. So um, what's your first and what's your uh, opinion on the that 49ers backfield? Uh, I think you made really good points about it. I think Kyle Shanahan uh, approaches each matchup uh, based based. He approaches each game based on matchup. You know, uh, Mostert is, you know, typically the favorite to lead there, but the guy's just always old and busted. He's 29, you know, mid 29s going on 30. Uh, Mostert is the next back. That profile is as the early down back, the goal line back. Jeff Wilson's out. We got Wayne Gallman. You know, he's kind of, he's pretty much a jag. He had a nice, uh, nice, kind of a nice year last year as RB2, filling in for Saquon Barkley. We got Elijah Mitchell over there, who's an athletic, you know, athletic standout. 
but yeah, if, if I'm taking anybody, I'm kind of approaching this like a like the um, Patriots backfield I do every single year, which is basically an uh, option available. And I'm afraid that Trey Sermon is probably going to surpass uh, Raheem Mostert Raheem Muster by uh, the end of August, and we're going to be getting Raheem Mostert at him. And that guy, and I think with, when you're playing these guys, they're just kind of like desperate, you know, plug them in as RB2s and uh, hope hope that you have good floor and some upside on your roster and just get whatever you can, you can get from the 49ers running back as an RB2 flex. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, my first my first team is uh, the Lions, you know, and I know and I know the Lions, the, the teams I listed aren't so much battles where we don't know where it's kind of ambiguous, you know, it's not so vague, but we know that, you know, we have a new coaching staff in Detroit. We know that they brought in Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a solid, solid running back. He's not just death piece. He, he serves a purpose on teams. You know, we saw what he did with the Packers. Um, I know that the running backs coaches for the lions went to watch the pro day specifically to see Jamal, uh, not Jamal Williams, um, the running back at USC. There's Michael Carter and I forgot his name. The other guy, the guy that went to uh, the- Javante Williams, Javante Williams. He went. They went to scout those two running backs, so they're interested in finding some running back depth. Uh, they didn't sign anybody else. Uh, they got um, the other. I forgot the rookie, not Jarrett Patterson, but the other rookie, Jamar Jefferson, I believe. So they did. They did bring in some running back. They did. They bring in some running back depth. I just want to see what they do with Swift. I, I still love Swift as a talent. Again, I'm not saying he's worse, but I want to check that out just to make sure I know what the splits are. I think Swift will be the lead back, but I think it's going to be more of a hot hand situation. I'm just, again, approaching this one with caution. Um, I think Swift's ADP is okay going at like the 2-3 turn, beginning of the 3. Uh, he does have that receiving upside. We do know that, you know, receptions or targets are worth about a uh, point and a half more than carries. So just keep, keep my eyes out on that backfield split. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Kind of like how I mentioned earlier about uh, bats aren't getting – most bats aren't getting 20 carries a game anymore – and at least from what um, Matt, from what Campbell said, you know, um, in his press conferences, when he wasn't talking about biting people's knees, uh, he was talking about, uh, you know, um, Swift kind of being like Kamara and New Orleans since he was in New Orleans. So I think they could do that to have Jamal Williams kind of the Latavius Murray type back, you know, um, kind of a little bit more between the tackle and Swift. Um, still running and then getting those passes. So I agree on that. So my second camp battle is the Jets running backs. I really don't have any idea how that's going to go. I know a lot of people are really excited about Michael Carter, but I think his ADP is really too high because we don't know what you're getting from him. And then with uh, Tevin Coleman, you know, he was in San Francisco where Solid was. Um, in 2019, he was running back 39 with around a little a 9.7 fantasy points per game, which isn't great. But I mean, you know, he's not a scrub, so they might, you know, just want to use a lot of bats like San Francisco did. And Ty Johnson, you know, it's, he's kind of getting hyped up in, you know, the fantasy space, but he only had two games last year with double digit carries. Well, Michael Perrine um, from Florida, I had high hopes for him last year, and he hasn't really done anything. So I just want to see how, how that um, – what we're hearing from camp, you know, who's kind of leading. Are they going to give it right out of the gates to Michael Carter or is he going to have to, you know, kind of gain it through midway through the season? So that's that's what I'm kind of looking for for the Jets. So uh, what do you think about the, that Jets running back situation and also uh, what's your uh, second uh, camp battle you're looking at? Um, so I think that the um... – the Michael Carter situation, the Jets, we just saw um, a blur put out by the athletics, Connor Hughes, who quote said rookie Michael rookie running back, Michael Carter is going to be the eventual one a in the Jets backfield. I think, I think we got to approach this kind of backfield. Like I do think he's the most talented back on the backfield in that backfield. Um, well, Michael P Ryan, you know, he, he doesn't suck. Uh, Ty Johnson, you know, he, he's going to serve a role in that offense. I think we got to approach this uh, backfield to the one that we were just discussing that you brought up, which is was, which is the 49ers backfield, because you know Saleh uh, Salah came from the 49ers as a defense, defensive coordinator. He was using that. I think he's going to use that offensive template. He's, he adopted the offensive template as far as the running back goes, uh, and uh, I think they're all going to just serve their own purpose. You know, Michael Carter is a great back. He's he kind of profiles for me profiles kind of somebody like Ceh, one that knows how to manipulate linebackers, one that knows how to. Um, read the blocks. He's great in space. 
He's a great pass catcher, really, really good pass catcher, but he is a tiny bit undersized. Uh, I don't really believe Tevin Coleman was going to serve a purpose, just some veteran depth if needed to be called on. So, yeah, like this one, you know, just just shoot your shot. Just don't get too over-invested in it. I don't believe anybody's really going to be a league winner. The Jets' um, offensive line hasn't really been upgraded to a point where they're going to be creating a bunch of holes. Running backs, just approach with caution with ADP. Don't get too aggressive with these things, I think. Uh, if I was taking anybody, it would be Michael Carter, but nothing before, like, the eighth round. So, yeah. And my second, uh, my second backfield, like I said, um, you know, these aren't competitions, but again, I want to look at splits primarily because of value. AJ, I'm looking at the Packers. My second one is the Packers backfield because I believe that AJ Dillon is a great value. Um, he's not going too early, but he's starting to creep up a little bit. Uh, we saw Jamal, we were just discussing Jamal Williams and the Lions. Jamal Williams served as a secondary running back on the Packers last year. AJ Dillon's coming to fill in. We saw AJ Dillon just go nuts on the Titans last year to close out the season. I believe it was week 16, actually. Um, we saw the upside that A.J. Dillon brings as a different type of running back than Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is a smaller pass-catching running back. He's great, but A.J. Dillon is a massive human being. And I think they're going to use him in a lot of different packages. I think I think it's important to keep an eye on this backfield in the training camp and watch, you know, especially in preseason, how preseason how he performs. If he's doing well in preseason, expect expect that momentum to carry over. Um, again, Watch, watch what we're doing with this because we know that the coach of the of the Packers, while while he was on the Titans previously, he didn't really use Derrick Henry the way he should have been using Derrick Henry, the bigger back. He was using Demarco Murray stubbornly a lot. Um, so keep your eyes on the AJ Dillon situation. Uh, I think he's a great stash if you're gonna stash any handcuff. Um, AJ Dillon is a great stash. Use uh, put that one away because if Aaron Jones goes down and we know he's gone down, he's 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 missed time during every season. He's been a starting running back. AJ Dillon's going to be the man. He's going to win you some weeks, baby. I'm telling you. So yeah, I agree with that. I would say before uh, Rogers came or supposedly is coming back to play Green Bay, I was a little higher on Dillon because I figured with Jordan Love they would run the ball even more than they have. Uh, but I, I agree, um, you know, this even went back to when McCarthy was the coach at the Packers. Um, they don't want to just give Aaron Jones all of the touches, you know, even with, you know, Jamal Williams was there, they would give him catches and even give him goal line carries. So, um, but Aaron Jones is obviously still uh, a run in the running back one conversation just because, you know, he scores so many touchdowns and, and um, Aaron Aaron Rodgers likes to use him and dump the ball off to him a lot. And that offense should still be very good. And especially since they really only have Devontae Adams and Robert Tanyan as a receiving option. So my last battle is with the Dolphins wide receiver depth chart. Uh, I'm not I've never been huge on Tua, but I don't, I don't think uh, he's as low as people make him out to be. I don't think his ceiling is as high. I think he'd be a quality starter in the NFL. I don't know if he can be an elite quarterback, top five, like he some people thought at, when he was at Alabama at times. But I just want to see because they still have Devontae Parker there. Um, I think he would be more of the possession type receiver. But they've got Will Fuller, you know, who is a downfield threat, but he does deal with you know the injuries, and I believe he might still be suspended a game or two. And then mostly. Um, I want to see Jalen Waddle because I really like Jalen Waddle's game. There have been some people that have said that you know he's gonna he's gonna be um, like Henry Ruggs, but I think he has a totally different um, skill set. You know, it's speed, but he's very good at you know at high pointing the ball and fighting for the ball. Um, you know, I think he's more polished and more a uh, better overall receiver. So I want to see how they're going to use all those wide receivers and to see you know who really will be um, the the number one, or will they just have kind of a 1A and 1B, or maybe a 1A, 1B, and 1C, all three evenly distributed? So um, that's that's what I want to uh, see with the Dolphins. Yeah, and, and we uh, yeah we saw that Preston Williams got put on a pup, on a, unable to play. So you know I think he's going to be pretty much a forgotten option in the Dolphins' uh, pass receiving options. Uh, will Fuller, Will Fuller, we know that he's a great you know he's super productive, but that was with Deshaun Watson. I love Jalen Waddle. You know, I think I think he would have been in discussion for uh, a Heisman um, had he played last year. Um, you know, Devontae Parker. Do you want to go down that road? Do you want to do that? Do you want to take Devontae Parker? Or do you want to take somebody with upside? You know, like Jalen Waddle or Will Fuller, because I would be drafting those two above Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker is a value, but I'm not taking him before Jalen Waddle. 
or Will Fuller, especially if I have like solid floor receivers. If I have like Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, receivers of that talent, of that breed on my team, and I have solid floor high upside guys, I don't want Devontae Parker clogging in my roster spot. I want somebody who's going to put up some massive weeks when I need them to. So it also it's also dependent on how Tua reacts, how Tua comes out in his second year. Uh, I know um, the Dolphins use a lot of running tight ends. I know they did because I, put, I had Mike Gusecki in my team last year, and I got so tired of seeing guys like Dalton Smythe or Derm Smythe. And gosh, God, I don't even know, even know uh, Adam Shaheen. You know, it, I don't want to think about that. That was just such a bummer, just not seeing Gusecki get like red zone targets. Anyways, my last team to look at is the Raiders' backfield. This one's disgusting. This one's just – this is so bad. We got Kenyon Drake and we got Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is such a great running back. And John Gruden completely – just just completely misutilizes his talent. I'm trying not to get angry. He gave away all his offensive pieces, his offensive linemen. They're all gone. I don't know what he's doing. They have – they have big – oh, God, what's his name? I forgot. I'm blanking on his name. Um, anyways. They don't really have – I don't know what they're doing over there. Kenyon Drake is going to be eating it to Josh Jacobs's. I'm like, can you hear how depressed I am just talking about this right now? I, I can't even talk about this right now. I'm so tired of John Gruden. We got to watch the. We got to watch their backfield. We got to see what they do with Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is the, the assumption is that Kenyon Drake is going to go in. He's going to take all the pass uh, pass catching work because John Gruden hates to have Josh Jacobs as a pass catcher. Get it. Uh, Kenyon Drake is not a bad, better running back than Josh Jacobs is. He's just going to be like the new pass catching option. It scares me though because Kenyon Drake, I believe, out of all running backs, Kenyon Drake did have did have the most rushing attempts on the. Um, I think he was actually the most successful inside the five out of most running backs, and I think he actually had the most attempts inside the five. I have to double check that. It was a long time. It was a long time since I saw that. But yeah, that's the final backfield I'm looking at and in that same breath Josh Jacobs has fallen I saw somebody uh just say on Twitter that they drafted Josh Jacobs in the seventh round of their draft I'm taking Josh Jacobs every single day in that at that at that point that's crazy so that's my last backfield to look at right yeah um I don't love Jacobs you know coming into this year even years prior because I don't know why but Gruden just like uses him so weird like at Alabama, yeah. they used him like on screens and stuff. I'm like, just throw him the ball. He's way better, you know. I would much rather him get the ball than Jalen Rashard or what other crappy running bats they throw out there. And yeah. all they had, I mean, all they really have is Darren Waller. We don't know what's going on with the wide receivers. I do like, I do think John Brown's kind of a sleeper for them because I don't know what's going on with the Ruds and um, and Brian Edwards. So, and it's weird because when they first got Kenyon Drake. They said they were going to use him out like at wide receiver. And then when they said that, I, why didn't you just keep Lynn Bowden if you're going to do that? He was would have been way cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> he was on a rookie yeah. deal. And they just traded him before he even played a game. I don't know what the Raiders are doing. John Gruden has that. Doesn't he have a ridiculous contract? Like It's, it's insane. They own millions. They own so much money. I don't understand that organization – how does that? How is this happening? What is this? Ha- what is happening with the Raiders, dude? I don't understand it, dude. They drafted Henry Ruggs, then they bring in John Brown. You know, I don't understand what they're doing over there, man. They just, they just are so bad. I don't know who their scouts are. I don't know who their talent evaluators are. Their first round picks every single year. And they have so many options to choose from, and they just don't pull the trigger on just, just take this consensus top talent in the draft. But they. Keep going with these contrarian picks that you're like, what? I have to like sometimes I have to Google the people they look up in the first round. I'm like, I've never even heard of this guy. No, I agree. I agree, and I will say I was wrong because I thought Henry Rudds would be better. But even if he's not, if you find out, you know, during the season he's not as good. I mean, you picked him in the first round. You got to find ways to get him the ball. Like there, there has to be a way to get him the ball. You know, there shouldn't be times when he doesn't. He should. I mean, if you have a receiver that you draft in the first round that isn't like horrible, like horrible hands like Darius Hayward Bay or, you know, RJ Soward or something like that, <laughs> that can at least catch the ball, you should give him the give him the ball at least five times a game. And I don't understand what they're doing. So I agree with that. And I think that is gonna be a little bit of a mess. I don't really like Kenyon Drake and what you're talking about. 
I I checked on the Arizona backfield last year, and he had like ten touchdowns last year. So they did give him the ball a ton inside the ten. So that is concerning. That's why, you know, in some of these um, charity type uh, tournaments, I've been picking up Drake. You know, late because who knows he could have some weeks where he's he's usable um, and everything. Because I I usually wait on running back when when I do those type of uh, type of drafts. So. So yeah, I think that's um, you know these all these camps could be somewhat uh, fantasy relevant, and it seems like all of these will be a little bit of a mess, other than the Packers because you know Aaron Jones will still be uh, solid this year. Just depends on how much AJ Dillon will really take and if they utilize him properly. Um, I, I don't know if Rodgers is just going to try to stick it to the Packers and try to throw it like. 3,000, you know, 3,000 times a game or, or what's going to happen. With A.J. Dillon, the guy is over six feet one. He's like 208,000 pounds. The guy is – I don't know how he is in a factor on the goal line next year. I just – I don't know how you – look at that running back and you're just saying don't give it to him at the goal line. That's all I'm saying. I mean, that's – it's just, that, that, that that's, is very true because, say, you're in a little bit, you know, you could play him at flex. I mean, you got to think he gets – you know, there's going to be a couple games where he has – you know, a couple touchdowns and some some good yardage, and like you said, you know, he's a, a perfect uh, pickup. You know, for as a handcuff. You know, even if you don't have Aaron Jones, and just kind of if you go the zero running back route and just wait, and then uh, you possibly have someone uh, later on. So, uh, you know, I that's the the main, that's really the only one that I think could be super fantasy relevant in our camp battles. But all these battles will be interesting to see. You know, um, what what they're going to do. A couple of new coaches in there, so um, yeah, so I think yeah. that's great. So uh, that's that's all of our show to tonight. Um, you know, so uh, I'm glad for everyone that that joined, and we got some comments in here. Um, so um, so for this week, I'm a uh, uh, Brandon Hay at Hay B3. I'm Zcans FF. Zade Cans All right, see you guys next week. Thank you guys. See you.